Would you be interested in fighting Apollo Creed for the World Heavyweight Championship? No. Listen, Rocky. Apollo see you fight. He likes you. He wants to fight you. Hey, now when you walk into the ring for the number one heavyweight of the world, you'll be ready. You're gonna eat lightning and you're gonna crack thunder. You're gonna become a very dangerous place. Listeners, it's now playing Rocky Retrospective Series. This Balboa thing is interesting, and you want to call it nostalgia, whatever the hell you want, but people can relate to that stuff. Hosted by Arnie. There is no one who can match his strength or his aggressiveness. Brock. You're the man, you're number one. Old people love you, young people love you. You're the man. And Jacob. I must break you. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we go with the distance and review all the Rocky films. What's your prediction for the fight? Hey. But be warned, these podcasts contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. Listener discretion is advised. He doesn't know it's a damn show. He thinks it's a damn fight. talking about Creed 2, starring Michael B. Jordan, Sylvester Stallone, Tessa Thompson, Wood Harris, with Felicia Rashad and Dolph Lundgren, directed by Stephen Capel. This is Brocky, co-host of Now Playing. And this is the Now Playing co-host who was raised in hate, Arnie. And this is Jacob. And yes, guys, I took a shit before the show. <laughs> oh, good. I was going to ask you. Good. I'm tired of all these long breaks. <laughs> Welcome back, guys. It has been three years since the last Creed. It feels a lot longer, actually. It does. I was shocked that it's only three years. Yeah, but uh, back three years ago when we did our recording, we all expected to be here. It wasn't like we did not expect a sequel after what we saw the last time. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, Child's Play coming up later next year, like we call another one of those. It's actually something we were looking forward to. But this isn't like a big action set piece. I figure, oh, maybe a couple of years, three years seems a little long. I forgot about it by then. Yeah, well, you know, writer-director Ryan Coogler was a little bit busy with a little indie project. I don't know if you guys <laughs> heard of it it's called black panther <laughs> a movie that has made more money than infinity war in the u.s blows my mind it's a great movie it is a really good movie i mean you can hear that review but ryan coogler and michael b jordan two people who i think are just really talented in their field i finally went back and watched fruitville station and while i didn't think that was a great film i think it showed great skill on both their parts I was really excited for Creed 2, and then it was announced Coogler's Too Busy and Sylvester Stallone writing and directing. I got less excited at that point. Oh, Stallone was supposed to direct at one point? Yes, he was. And something happened. Uh, why did they hire Stephen Capel? Who is Stephen Capel? I had to look this guy up because I did not know his name. He's done a lot of television. 
and one film called The Land that came out in 2016. I don't know if either of you have seen it. I haven't. Never even heard of it. I don't even know what that is. It was shown at Sundance, but it didn't win anything at Sundance. But this guy, after I did a little bit more digging, things started to make more sense. He went to USC at the same time Ryan Coogler did. The two are friends. He would be going in and chatting with Ryan while he was on the Disney lot editing Black Panther. And Stallone was going to direct this and then decided that the upcoming Rambo movie needed some rewrites. That movie ain't ever coming out. It is. There was a poster. It's coming next year. We'll all be back talking about Sly again. Right after Bad Boys 3, we'll do the new Rambo. (laughs) And the new Avatar. But he decided he was going to take his time and do some Rambo rewrites and have somebody else direct. And Coogler had said, my friend Capel is ready for the big time and really pushed for Capel to do it, sent Stallone a copy of The Land. So Capel was offered the gig and he was a little bit nervous, afraid he would be kind of a puppet head director for Stallone because, again, Stallone has been Rocky for 30-some years and was going to direct this himself. But here's something I found really interesting. Stallone wrote the script, right? But I think he only really wrote the Rocky parts of the script because he said to (laughs) Capel, listen, I just can't get the voice of the younger generation. I just don't know how to write it. So whatever you want to do with that. Yeah, there's a really awkward joke, I think, about black names or those stereotypical black names of the film. I'm like, ooh, did Stallone write that? I don't know if that works. I actually think he wrote the Drago parts, too, because that thing reeked of Sylvester Stallone. There's no way that someone else came up with that kind of plot. Well, when I say that Stallone wrote his parts, I'm referring to that. What he gave Capel was a script, and it had... The three fights, Stallone just came out and said, listen, we're going to mimic the Rocky Three formula. We're going to start with a fight. We're going to then have the fight where you lose. We're then going to have the fight where you win. And so he had all of those beats because he gave Cable the script and he was like, what do you think? And Cable was like, I really think there's a lot of areas we could tighten up. And Stallone's like, "Okay, fine, you go do that. What do you think of the structure and the fights? Oh, wow. And you said earlier that you were really excited about the idea of Creed 2 and all that. When I heard about this plot, I thought this sounds like another Rocky movie that Stallone would... Why would Stallone write the exact same movie again after writing it four times? Yeah, Creed, good film, but I do feel like it's kind of a soft reboot for Rocky. Like, they tell the same story, they hit the same beats with that final fight. And then I saw the trailer for this, not knowing, okay, what are they going to do in Creed 2? Oh, damn! They're doing a sequel to Rocky (laughs) 4, my favorite Rocky film. Look, Rocky 1's better, but I love Rocky (laughs) 4. I'm like, this reeks of fan fiction. Yes. But I'm up for it if they're bringing Drago back. Yeah, this is a weird remake of like 2 through 4. It's got elements of all of those in here. And 5. And yeah. Capel has a soft spot in his heart for 5 because it was the first Rocky film he'd ever seen. You're talking about the reconciliation with the sun? I don't remember a street fight in this one. (laughs) Well, there's also the promoter in this one. There's a promoter in Rocky 5. Oh, that's true, yes. And then he's training a kid. And there's the line, go for it. Well, that's also in uh, Rocky 3. I'm going to bust you up. Yeah, but there's also, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Well, I didn't get a chance to see this over the Thanksgiving holiday because 
I was doing a different theatrical movie. I'm the only now playing host who got a double whammy here with Ralph Breaks the Internet last week and Rocky this week. So this podcast is coming out a week later than our usual weekend of release shows. I ended up seeing this on a Monday night, and it was about seven of us in the audience only. The movie did gangbusters. It actually broke a Thanksgiving weekend record for live action films. But by Monday, the heat was off. Everybody was back to work and grumbling about the weather. Yeah, I went to this Sunday morning thinking everyone's shopping. It's the weekend of Thanksgiving. That's what Americans do. Almost a sold-out theater. Like, there was those two front rows that no one ever wants to sit in. rest of the theater, everyone in seats. I, too, saw Wreck-It Ralph, so I did not get a chance to see this until Monday evening myself. I was at a 4.15 show, and I was surprised with how many people have Monday afternoon at 4.15 off. Yeah, it was a semi-full theater for a Monday evening show. My audience seemed to be into it, but I didn't get too many reactions from the parallels from the Rocky movies. I got the feeling that maybe I was one of the only people in the theater who knew Rocky movies beyond Creed. I was wondering the same thing. I was wondering, is there a new audience? Because Michael B. Jordan was the villain in Black Panther, that huge movie of 2018. And so I'm like, I wonder if that's bringing people in. Because, yeah, I was looking around. I'm like, there's a lot of younger kids here, families. You know, it's a holiday weekend. But I'm like, are they hardcore into Rocky like I am, where I can just recite a bunch of lines and tell you all the plots from movie to movie to movie? I didn't get that sense. So I did wonder. I'm like, is Michael B. Jordan bringing those butts in the seat now? Or is it just Sylvester Stallone, Rock? You know, it's kind of like James Bond. Whenever a James Bond movie comes out, we just go to it at Thanksgiving because that was the tradition. From my audience, I would say they were Michael B. Jordan fans. I was one of the oldest people in the theater, but I can't throw off the Rocky references as well as you guys can. So I did go back. I rewatched Rocky's one through five plus Creed. I did skip Rocky Balboa. Mm-hmm. Why would you watch five? If you recall, I recommended that one. Yeah, I remember that. But I just, like, if you're going to skip something, you skip five. <laughs> Balboa, you could skip as well. No, I skipped Balboa. That boring POS. Uh, yeah, I guess. But at the end of this movie, you get a bonus for if you've seen Rocky Balboa. So, Well, I remembered Rocky Balboa. I re-listened to our podcasts. I remembered the high level stuff i knew i had to rewatch four i knew i needed to brush up on the drago and rewatching one is just a pleasure i would like to do that every thanksgiving anyway i didn't want to cry in front of my girl so that's why i didn't watch it (laughs) but two and three and five were optional but having seen this i was really glad i rewatched two and three sure yeah a lot of two here maybe not five yeah watching this like i said they're gonna take a little piece from two this plot structure from three and then yeah sequel to four all wrapped up in one movie I rewatched the first one. I rewatched Creed. And I, I, you said something interesting. You said, I remember all the high level stuff. I thought I remembered Creed very, very well. I was going through my head. I'm like, do I really have to rewatch this? And once I sat down to rewatch it, I got pulled into the original Creed all over again. And I had a great time rewatching that. And I'm very happy I did because I did pick up extra things in this movie that I possibly could have missed. But I didn't rewatch two and three and four. I know those movies well enough now at this point. But watching, as you said, Rocky One is always fun. Creed, I put up there with the original Rocky. Creed is all. Also, I watched it 
a few times when it was new on video. I went back and saw it in theaters again after we reviewed it last time, but it had been a few years. It's been three years since it came out. I hadn't seen it since it was new on video, so revisiting it was also a great pleasure. I remember really loving that film. It had a couple of bumps and revisiting it. Yeah, I was glad to reconnect with Adonis and Bianca and Unc Rocky. <laughs> Why don't we step in the ring with a plot summary so we can get this fight started? Arnie. It's been three years since Adonis Creed fought and lost against pretty Ricky Conlon. But that to date is Creed's only loss in a career guided by Rocky Balboa. And when this film begins, Creed takes out Danny Stuntman Wheeler, the boxer who had previously knocked Creed down with one punch. This makes Adonis the heavyweight champion of the world. And having the belt and the title, Adonis proposes to girlfriend Bianca, who accepts. But when you're number one, there's always someone who wants to take your spot. In this case, it's Victor Drago, son of Ivan Drago, which is played by a returning Dolph Lundgren. Ivan has trained his son for the boy's entire life to be nothing but the best boxer, and now the Dragos want a Drago-Creed rematch, with Drago taking home the heavyweight champion title. Creed wants the fight, but Rocky doesn't agree, so Creed and Bianca move to LA where Creed is trained by Tony Evers, known as Little Duke, son of Apollo's trainer Duke Evers. But Little Duke isn't enough, and in the ring Apollo gets pummeled, KO'd, and sent to the ER. But Drago makes a dirty punch after Creed is on his knees, so he's disqualified. Creed keeps the championship title, but everyone knows Drago won the fight. Recovering, Creed seems aimless, not anxious to go back in the ring. He and Bianca prepare for the arrival of their first baby. But finally, Creed's adoptive mom, Mary Ann Creed, played by Felicia Rashad, sends Rocky a letter that the boy needs his help. Rocky and Creed make up, and Rocky agrees to train Creed for a rematch against Drago. There's a montage of training, and then the rematch happens in Moscow. It's a tough fight, but Creed gets the upper hand and Drago loses his spirit. The match ends when Ivan Drago does what Rocky would not. He throws in the towel, saving his son from permanent damage. And with that, Creed has solidified his legacy, and we see the Dragos are still a close father and son despite the loss, still training together, and Rocky goes to see his own estranged son Robert, played by a returning Milo Ventimiglia, as they reconcile and credits roll. We definitely need to talk about Milo Ventimiglia because I didn't recognize him. I watched Heroes. I was like, did they recast? It doesn't look like him. Okay, so this is someone. <laughs> yeah, he was the son in Rocky Balboa. He's currently on This Is Us. Yeah, I got that. But okay, he's gone to TV. I don't really follow TV stuff, so. But the fact that they kept the same casting from Rocky Balboa, it was like when we saw Creed and I'm like, how much from Rocky Balboa will they keep? We got rid of Marie, but we kept the restaurant. <laughs> Yes, yes. I mentioned earlier that I had a ding on this movie going in when I heard about the plot being about Drago. And when the movie opens up in the Ukraine with Drago training his son, I loved that first scene. Everything about that first scene and how concise it was, it tells you everything you need to know in a quick two or three minutes. I thought, what a great way to open this movie with the antagonists straight away and you get exactly what they're after. I get Drago, he wants to get his revenge on Rocky, so he's doing that through his son to make him the world champion and bring boxing back to Russia and all that. 
it's not the Cold War anymore. So I don't know. I know we don't like Putin and fake news and all that kind of stuff. Collusion. Like, I love the camp of Rocky IV. That's why it's my favorite Rocky one because of the setting and everything. But I was looking for more of a character. And right off the, at the beginning here, and through most of the film until the very end, it just the Dragos are just bad. They're rotten. Those rotten Russians. They just want to ruin everything for Creed and Rocky. So that was a little bit of a bummer because I was excited. But I'm like, oh, maybe they could really round this character out because he was nothing in Rocky for he was just the big bad Russian so I I was a little bummed right at the beginning here like yeah it's a cool intro if you're into it for that revenge story but I wanted a little bit more humanity for the Dragos We'll get it, but it's a while. The parallel I would draw is when we did our Mutant Ninja Turtles retrospective series, there was that crossover film where all the incarnations of the Mutant Ninja Turtles encountered each other, like parallel dimensions. And you had the murderous ones from the cartoon, and you had the quote-unquote modern day being the 90s cartoon versions. And then the 80s cartoon version showed up, and they were like, pizza, dude! And the other turtles (laughs) were all like slapping their foreheads like, who are these buffoons? That's how I feel when comparing Creed to Rocky IV. Creed had an emotional depth and a level of realism and a interpersonal connection that just made that film feel three-dimensional. And Drago's a cartoon character. Rocky IV is a step away from the Rambo cartoon series. And so, yes, bringing these flat characters into this world seems like two different styles. It's a challenge to Capel to see if he can make that work. You either have to throw out all the things that made Creed good, or you have to add some dimension to the Dragos. The one thing I'm going to fault Capel on from the very beginning, and I don't know if you guys noticed this, but damn it, I thought it was just going to be in the Ukraine. But no, every time the Dragos are on screen, they got this blue filter over the lens, right? Everything has to look wild washed out and gray. It's depressing. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, it's exactly right. Yeah, I thought it was just going to be in the Ukraine, but you have them in Vegas and everything's washed out and... Yeah, when they're in Philly, I'm like, are they in the Ukraine or Philly? I actually can't tell. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's saying something about Philly. I don't know. Sorry, Philly fans. What you guys are saying about all these things with Drago, I kind of agree with you. I got excited that we're going to get a great different kind of movie and they're going to do everything we just talked about. We want more dimension to these characters. We finally found a way to bring these guys in. It's going to be great. And then we get these first few scenes at the beginning of this movie right before the championship fight. And then I had trouble with the next few scenes with how they were performed, what was going on, how predictable everything was going on. So my expectations went right back to where I thought the movie was going to be. Yeah, because then you go to... Adonis, and you get the end of Rocky 2. I forgot. Oh, yeah, they just (laughs) repeated Rocky 1 in Creed 1, so he's got to get the belt. He's got to be the champion. So, yeah, he gets his championship fight here, and he wins, and he finally becomes champion. I liked several things about this, but one thing I was really glad I rewatched Creed for is... I guess Michael B. Jordan has put on some weight between films because remember, he was light heavyweight boxing in the last one and they kept talking about pound for pound best fighter in the world. And now here he is becoming the heavyweight champion. So he's put on more muscle. And I got to be honest, when I saw him coming out of the locker room and Bianca's sign language, did you remember to take a shit? (laughs) 
after Tessa Thompson leaves and he's alone, that first scene when they introduce Rocky in the room with Adonis, you don't see Rocky. At first, you only hear his voice, and then you see him blurry in the mirror, and then it's shot like it's one shot. The camera goes around and around, and finally, Stallone steps into the frame. I thought that entire scene was well staged, and I kind of like how they brought Rocky in for his entrance. Sometimes they actually had some clever stuff going on, although sometimes when you notice the camera work as much as I do, I sometimes ding it because it's like the guy's showing off a little bit. But for here, I got what he was doing, that he wanted to give Rocky another entrance into the movie. And I thought Jordan's downsized a little bit. He's not as cut as he was last time. He's not as big as he was last time. Last time, he had this neck that looked like it was made of steel cable. And here, he just doesn't look that. But he has it. He actually is bigger here. It just, the first few shots didn't play it up. By the end of this movie, he's actually bigger than Carl Weathers ever was as Apollo. I mean, he took a big physique that he had kept since Creed 1 and built on it for Creed 2. It is crazy. Yeah, I had a hard time trying to gauge like how big he was because the actor that they got for Victor is huge. Yeah. I'm like, is this guy an MMA fighter? He's a boxer. A real boxer? A real boxer. His arms are gigantic. Yeah, he actually had to lose weight to play this wow. role and wow. be believable. Yeah, so it's, it was hard for me to gauge how big is Michael B. Jordan in this because next to that Victor Drago, anyone would be small. Yeah, this guy, his name is, I'm going to butcher this, Florian Montunu. And he is a Romanian boxer and fitness model. Model of fitness. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know, he came in and I think he acts well for a boxer in this role. I think he gives what is needed through facial expression. It's not a dialogue heavy role. What he speaks, he has to speak in Russian. Both Florin and Dolph Lundgren were like, if there's a sequel, can we please not have multiple pages of dialogue in Russian? Neither of us speak Russian. <laughs> you have a Swede and a Romanian both speaking Russian. <laughs> but in this opening fight, we get to see some new camera work at play, the way they're putting the camera like straight up between the boxers. So you get to see their underarms. They do a lot of point of view stuff. I couldn't remember if they did that in Creed, but I really noticed it in this one where, yeah, the guy's just like boxing the cameraman. Even though I just rewatched Creed, I did not remember Danny Stuntman Wheeler being the guy who he fought when he went to see Little Duke and tried to get Little Duke to train him. And he got up in the ring and was like, anyone who can get a good hit in my head gets my car. And that was the stuntman. And that's why I was glad I rewatched it at all because I didn't remember he'd lost a car. And so when he wins, he's the heavyweight champion of the world. He's just like, give me my keys. And Bianca has to be like, you realize what just happened, right? That is a pretty nice car. I'd be excited too if I want it back. He mentions it was the only thing left to him by Apollo. I find that very weird that Apollo would actually leave him anything given that he wasn't even born at the time of Apollo's death. Apollo wasn't planning on dying. I, I could see it going to Apollo's wife who may have been like, here Adonis, you can have the Mustang. But I don't really see the direct giving. <laughs> 
No, I agree with you. I think that was implied, but I hear you. I took it as the only thing I have of my father's. But yeah, you're right. We obviously did not give him a car, especially when he was <laughs> even born yet. But the next scene with Rocky and Adonis talking about the proposal, this is the first time I remember ever not being convinced with Michael B. Jordan's acting. I did not like the direction of the scene. I, I'm being picky a little bit, but only because at this point, Michael B. Jordan has earned nothing but respect for me. I think the man's fantastic actor, and I love watching him. And later in this movie, he has an amazing scenes. But this one scene when he was acting all nervous, this is the first time I could ever remember not buying it, ever. And Stallone was fine, and it, obviously, come on, how could he's referencing Rocky two left and right in this scene. But I just couldn't believe that I was watching Michael B. Jordan, and I was like, what are you doing? Did you guys pick up anything weird about his performance in this particular scene, or am I just being overly critical? Maybe overly critical. It just seemed very cliche, like nervous about proposing, and I thought it was actually funny when he actually does go to propose, and Bianca doesn't have the hearing aids in, and she doesn't hear it. I'm, like, it's pretty predictable, but I still enjoyed it because of these actors. Yeah, it was kind of sitcom maybe a little bit. I just feel like you see this scene a lot in movies. And I had no problem with Jordan. I have problems with some of the way Adonis was written in this movie. And this is kind of one of them. We've never seen him be nervous when he picked up Bianca knocking on her door. She was playing the music loud. And I also guess her hearing loss had progressed greatly because in the last one, she said she only needed her hearing aids in crowds to pick out specific voices. And now she can't hear anything without them in. She said it was progressive hearing loss. I was like, is she still doing her music? We're going to find out. Yes, but that's not the focus of this movie, especially at the beginning. And... What I didn't get until I read an interview is this is all a callback to Rocky, too, because Rocky asks Adrian to marry him and Adrian goes, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you because she had earmuffs on and Rocky was mumbling. And so this whole she didn't hear the proposal is supposed to be a callback to that. And that is one of my complaints with these Creed films. They're called Creed. Let Creed be the character. In this film, there's a lot of dramatic moments I like, but it's not Creed. We got the Dragos. We got Rocky and his son. This feels like Rocky, the television show. Like, okay, this is going to be about Creed proposing. And then we're going to go to these characters over here. It feels like there's a lot being juggled in this film. This movie is indeed in so many ways a parallel to Rocky II. I feel bad for Tessa Thompson, who I really enjoyed in the first Creed film, but didn't remember the actress's real name when we reviewed Thor Ragnarok. I had no clue that was the same actress. She gives such totally different performances and body language and everything in those two roles that even rewatching Creed, I don't see a hint of Valkyrie in it, and I don't see a hint of Valkyrie in Creed 2. She's a great actress, and she is stuck in the Adrian role here of being left at home, giving birth to a baby while the husband goes out in boxes, and she just gets such a back seat here that I, that was really disappointing. I do want the Bianca movie where they just follow her music career because I really dug her music in this film. Yeah, I liked her music in this movie too, and I agree with you both. I think she kind of got the shaft in this one, but she was also good in Annihilation, Arnie. I didn't recognize her in Annihilation when I saw her, the Natalie Portman movie. You're absolutely right. She's such a good actress that sometimes you don't recognize her at first. Yeah, and she's going to be in Men in Black next summer with Chris Hemsworth again. So I think she's really good, and I think her character gets the short end of the stick, which I wasn't expecting. When we're at the 
these early scenes, I think Bianca's going to get focused like she did last time, but she isn't going to. We get the scene at the beginning where she's talking about moving to L.A. because she wants to get closer to record labels and work on her music, and she knows that there's a ticking clock because of her hearing. And Adonis, he's like, well, I gotta stay for Unk. And Rocky, I guess he's now completely cancer-free. It completely is against what I thought would happen. I still thought Rocky would die and Stallone would go for that Oscar. I thought he might have deserved an Oscar nom for Creed 1. Not so much for Creed 2. I think he's fine, but I don't think he's exceptional. You weren't absorbed by his fight with City Hall to get his lamp fixed? That streetlight? Like... <laughs> That seemed like a cut plot from Rocky Balboa. He never got it fixed. I <laughs> thought he was going to come home to Philly at the end of the movie and the light was going to be on. He just goes to reconcile with his son. What kind of ending is that? You set up a light bulb getting changed and it doesn't pay off. I like that he asked the people at City Hall, how many people does it take to change a light bulb? No, I'm not telling a joke. But this is a movie that has so many characters. I don't know that any of them are completely fulfilling. I can say none of the character stories are as tight as the ones we saw in Creed 1. The focus of this movie is Adonis. You've been saying it's Rocky Rocky, but Adonis is in virtually every frame of this movie with a couple of exceptions, and it is completely his story. I was surprised how quick we get to everything when we got to see Victor fighting in the Ukraine. We saw some shady American sitting back and watching the fight. And when Adonis got the championship, we saw that same guy. It was like a freaking CIA operative. I was like, what is this guy doing? This is why Rocky Five paid off for you, because this is like the promoter in that one that's just trying to set up the big fight between the main character and the villain. Yeah, exactly. I never had any doubt in my mind who this guy was after he popped up at the Adonis fight in Las Vegas. I didn't know that he was in league with Drago because he said our plan is coming together. I just thought he was just trying to get a, a fight together of two people that he saw it, but he was in on it that Drago had this plan that he wanted this fight. That was surprising and unnecessary, I think. He could just could have been the, the vessel to make the whole thing happen. And it seems like it's maybe the same night or the next day. Adonis wins the heavyweight championship. He proposes, and then they go out for cheesesteaks. It's Philly, man. You got to live up to those stereotypes. <laughs> it, it's the same restaurant that they had their first date. I did notice that. And now everybody knows Adonis. But when you're the heavyweight champion of the world, you cannot have a cheesesteak without somebody interrupting you and saying, ignore that guy. He's just full of shit. And it turns out Drago is out there challenging him just like Mr. T challenged. Challenged Rocky and Rocky 3. And this is where you get the confrontation between Ivan and Rocky at this time. Ivan's sitting at Rocky's restaurant waiting for him, got a glass of wine. And again, I'm like, they could really do something deep and dramatic here. And this doesn't have to be the paper-thin villain that he was in Rocky Four. And dang it, they do it again. Like, he's just, I'll break you. We're going to break you all over again. I'm like, oh, I really wanted them to do something with them. And it broke my heart when it's just a stare down, basically. You know what I really liked about the scene, though? Rocky refused to sit at the table with Drago. He took a chair for the next table over. I loved that. No, I noticed that detail and I like that. Yeah, is he kind of a little scared of him or is it just got to keep that distance? It says a lot. 
his face was like, what the heck are you doing here? It was fantastic. Like, Rocky wants no part of this man. So I got a little bit more off this scene. The actual dialogue, Jacob, I'm right there with you. But the way Stallone played it, I got a little more of the confrontation. But I was thinking at some point they're going to come to blows uh, somewhere in the movie. Oh, I'm, I'm glad that, did, that didn't happen. I'm so glad. It's on the cutting room floor. Oh, you're kidding. Is it for real or are you joking? Uh, no, we'll, I'll tell you when we get there. But Oh, okay. It was filmed. I'm glad it's on the cutting room floor then. Because, yeah, I don't want that. I don't want Rocky to be like, let's go outside. That's my ring now. Or whatever he says in Rocky Five. I have a question about Adrian's, though. How is it staying in business? Because every single time we see Adrian's... There's no one there! There's nobody in there. No one's in that restaurant ever in this movie and the last one. Because I just watched Creed 1 before we watched this one. How does he make any money? <laughs> Do you ever watch Kitchen Nightmares? Like, the people just go into debt with these restaurants. I guess Rocky's doing the same thing. Every time we're there it's pretty much closed so i wasn't too worried about the longevity of the restaurant but (laughs) i'm gonna disagree with you jacob while i did kind of groan at the number of times drago says the word break break you break you break you (laughs) break you break him break 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 i liked this scene in that it catches us up on where Drago is and why Drago is fixated on this. You got to think, Rocky, he says in this movie, and it's really true if you follow the films, Drago broke things in him that ain't never been fixed. And that is right. The last time he really boxed, not counting Balboa, was against Drago. He got the brain damage. That's why his ring was outside is because nobody... That's why he taught me the machine gun was so scary in number five because he could have killed him with a punch because he's brain damaged from Drago. Exactly. And he's still got this damage, but... You feel that while he may not have anything kind to say about Drago, he's not sitting there harboring resentment. But because he lost that fight, Drago lost his country. He lost his wife. He lost his status. He became an outcast. He had to go live in the Ukraine. Russia fell, but he fell. So that he has harbored this resentment actually meant something to me. What I was hoping from Rocky's side, again, these are things I'm thinking about while I'm watching this. I'm like, you know, if I was writing this, here's the characterization. I think where they should go. And they're kind of taking the easy route. I wanted to see Rocky struggle in this film, having not thrown in the towel when Apollo fought Drago, which led to his death. And I wanted to see Stallone have to wrestle with that more in this film. It felt like, okay, yeah, you're bringing up these old wounds. And sure, Drago lost his country, but Rocky lost his friend because, you know, this machismo, we can't throw in the towel and end this fight. He didn't want me to do that. And there could have been some deeper character work done in this film that just little missed opportunities here and there. I agree with you. Because rewatching Rocky IV, I have to say the whole reason Apollo went in that ring is something that we had to just infer. He never really says it. And then the fact that Rocky won't throw in the towel, the fact that Apollo doesn't want him to throw in the towel, really there is blood on Rocky's hands there. It feels like Rocky really should have thrown in the towel. And this is something this movie is going to have to contend with and try to, again, make this cartoon three-dimensional. And, you know, Rocky's going to try to explain to Adonis why he didn't do it. But I'm happy they're doing this here because I didn't realize this. Instead of Rocky V with Tommy Gunn, 
apparently Stallone was thinking about following up the Drago story way back then, either with a Drago spinoff following his ruin after the fight, or by having Rocky V be like a parallel story where you get to see Drago in disgrace and Rocky trying to rebuild with the brain damage and everything. Stallone has long wanted, of all the boxers Rocky's ever fought, Drago was the one Stallone wanted to return to, and the moment he got a chance to grab a pen for Creed 2, because let's not forget, Kugler did Creed 1 and then came to Stallone and was like, I have a script I'd like to do. But now that Stallone's in the story, he's finally jumping on this attempt to tell the Drago story. And is it all it could be? No, I do think that it's a little bit weak, but it's so much better than it would have been if Stallone had written it in 1987. Oh, yeah. I mean, now that we all have a whole new set of terms to describe Russia, (laughs) as I demonstrated, yeah, you got to evolve. As much as this is about the next generation with Adonis, it also is about Rocky. I mean, yeah, they got to kill him off at some point if they want this franchise to be able to succeed without Stallone in it. But yeah, this story about old men and their sons, Rocky's going to have an issue with his son. Drago's got an issue with his son. Adonis is still grappling with his relationship with his deceased father. So it's a mixed bag. Lots of little things that I like, and then I'm like, ah, they don't really take it in that daring direction. So if you beat a guy in the ring and your trainer says, I'm not going to train you for your next fight, do you go to the trainer of the guy you just beat to train you for your next fight? This guy does. I understand why he went back to Dukes. I get that whole connection he has with the family. This is the guy who dissed him last movie, and now this movie he's the champion. Why wouldn't do it? But he just beat the crap out of this guy's protege. Why on earth would he go there? Well, it doesn't mean he's a bad trainer. They do call out Wheeler's three years past his prime, and is Creed really the champion that has earned this? Because he hasn't beat a real person, a real tough guy. Yeah, let's remember, the last champion went to prison with the championship belt, so he was never defeated. The fact that Wheeler got the title, you know, it's kind of like what they said in Rocky V and what Mr. T was saying in Rocky III is, is this guy a legitimate champion when the last champion really wasn't beat? And so that's why Drago is able to call out Adonis as much as he is. But what I don't get, and it's unfortunate because it's brought up to me is Rocky asks Adonis, why do you want this fight? What are you fighting for? I don't know that when the credits roll, I still know why he went into this first fight. Oh, I get why he went into the first fight. This is the son of the guy who killed his dad. It it feels like this is my chance to get payback for my dad, just like Victor is doing for Ivan. I got that. Yeah, you would want to avenge your father. You think that was the reason? Because I thought that, but... The fact that they keep saying you didn't go in there for the right reasons makes me wonder what reason he did go in there for. Well, Rocky went in the ring with Clubber Lang the first time when Mickey told him not to do it, right? Because he was telling him he's going to get beaten because he didn't have what we call the eye of the tiger, right? And so... And Apollo called it the eye of the tiger. <laughs> that's right. The thing with this is I caught the parallel of Mickey and Rocky and Rocky Three. We talked about how they called back Rocky, true Rocky Three. So I think Rocky learned his lesson from Clubber Lang, but Adonis has to learn the lesson the hard way that you can't go into a fight like this. You have everything to lose. He has nothing. And he went into this for pride reasons for because he was called out. He has, I mean, whatever baloney reason, I did not get that the father thing was, even if that was the reason, it wasn't strong enough in him to train and beat this guy the first time around. 
Yeah, because he he has never gone to his father's grave at this point. Right. So I can see that having those conflicted feelings. Here's this father I never saw, but he died in the ring, and now I'm trying to carry on that legacy. And here's the son of the guy who killed. Yeah, it, it's a whole mixed emotional bag here. And yeah, I can see him not going in with his head straight. You mentioned the parallels between Rocky and Mickey in this film. The way Mickey wouldn't train Rocky against Clubber, and here Rocky won't train Adonis against Victor. Want to feel? old, Stallone is two years older than Burgess Meredith was in the first Rocky film. He looks a lot better than Burgess Meredith did. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But here's where I just kept wrestling when I'm watching this film. It's a boxing film. I shouldn't be wrestling. (laughs) Unless it's Rocky 3 with Thunder (laughs) Lips. Yeah. But I kept thinking this feels like Rocky's story because Rocky and Drago, right? Except Drago Creed was the fight. I mean, Rocky, I guess, avenged Apollo by not killing Drago, but by beating him. But the thing that set it all off was Creed took Rocky's place in this exhibition match. It was supposed to be Rocky versus Drago. Creed wanted it. So it was Creed Drago. And now we have Creed Drago again. So in certain ways, this is really savvy. Like the whole thing really was a Creed story to begin with. We just think it's a Rocky story because we saw it from Rocky's point of view in a movie called Rocky. We're doing M. Night as the donation. That's quite a twist. <laughs> it's a bit about Creed all along, even when it was Stallone. Well, I'm saying Rocky Four was. I mean. Oh, yeah, that was. Yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think? Is this Rocky story or is this Creed's story? It's everyone's story. Everyone's going to get a moment. I do feel it's mostly Creed's story in this. Again, that's kind of my disappointment is that Rocky never really has to face Creed about not throwing in the towel with his dad. It, just all those moments that I would want to pay off as a fan of Rocky for, they just aren't there. So ultimately, I think this is Creed's because it, it's his story and Rocky just doesn't do much as a sequel to what he did in the Rocky Four. In this point of the movie... I'm thinking it's still Rocky's movie, and here's why. I said to myself, why are we even going to have to watch the fight? We know what's going to happen in this fight. Why don't we just cut to he's beat up? Because honestly, if you've seen Rocky movies, you know what's going to happen. Because it's so much felt at this point still like we're still in Rocky's shadow. The whole first movie was about Adonis trying to get out of his father's shadow or feel like he's not in it. This one, in this part of the movie, Arnie, feels like more of a Rocky movie than it does an Adonis Creed movie especially when Rocky's watching the fight from the TV in his restaurant. See, one of the best opportunities is, in this fight, what if Adonis lost hearing in one of his ears, so now he is like his wife because of this? Maybe they could have brought it back around somehow to make it more about him and his wife, but they missed that opportunity. But instead, we're treated to him getting his butt kicked, and we all and watching Rocky watch it happen, and it kind of felt like, okay, let's just get through this so we can get to the next part of the movie. Yeah, I was shocked when we get to this Drago Creed fight. I'm like, wait, this is coming really fast. I'm like, okay, are they doing the Clubber Lang thing? Is Creed going to lose his belt and have to get it back? I really hope they don't do that. I want something original. And then like halfway through this fight, I'm like, oh, Drago's going to do something to get disqualified. So they have to fight again. And they're going to get as close as they can to killing Creed. So it's kind of like what happened to his dad. You know, he's going to get his ribs broken. He has all these injuries. You're right, Brock. Just kind of go to the aftermath of the fight. This is a kind of a long movie already. You could have cut out some stuff here. I wasn't sure. I went into this movie completely spoiler free. So I didn't know when Rocky says, I won't train you and Adonis goes, all right, fine. You were with me for three years, but I'm just going to say, screw you now. And 
move to LA and go off on my own and get Little Duke, I'm like, okay, this movie can go one of two ways. We can either have the personal drama like we had in Creed 1, where we're going to focus on Creed training. We're going to focus on his family. We're going to see him struggling to get by, and then we're going to see him reconcile with Rocky, and then there's going to be the fight at the end. Or we're going to see the fight really soon, and he's going to lose. If the fight came at the end, I didn't know if he would win or lose, but if there was a fight in the middle of the movie, it is such a cliche of boxing movies. Because of the Rocky franchise. If it didn't create it, it cemented it, that you lose in the middle and come back at the end. I saw a really good boxing movie called Bleed for This. It was a really good movie, but it's basically a Rocky movie. You get beat down, you have to come back. So here, when... It is so quick, a very short montage that we're going into the fight. I know how this is going to end immediately. And that's disappointing. We all say the same thing. It felt perfunctory. Let's get to the next part of this movie that we can see him get back to form and, and figure his stuff out because there can be drama. There can be some stuff that Michael B. Jordan, and he does some great stuff after this in his aftermath of this fight. I think other stuff gets the short shrift. Like when before the fight, Adonis goes and sees his adoptive mom and says and he's there to tell her I'm fighting Drago and we find out two big things one Bianca got signed to a record label when did this happen <laughs> and two Bianca's pregnant and that is a funny reveal I like that scene yeah the way the mother kind of picks up on it and then Bianca's laughing takes a drink then spits the <laughs> yes. wine back out and then they have the pregnancy test the pregnancy thing was a wonderful scene, but I saw it coming because Rocky 2. Remember we talked about last time, it's all the same beats of Rocky, but they're doing enough that makes it feel fresh. Here, it's all the same beats of Rocky, but everything feels stale. And I'm having trouble really getting as invested. And I want to. I think we're all saying we want to get more invested with these characters again. But the movie is doing everything it can to prevent us from doing that. I like these characters. I want to just see them go about their life and not necessarily box, but just watch the drama. Again, watch that Rocky slash Creed's television show. I Because I do like the characters here and these actors are good and they're pulling off the emotional stuff. I just wish it was better written. Erase more of Stallone's lines and get new ones in there. I will give it this. I like the boxing. When they get the fight, my God, do I feel those punches coming from Victor. This is where you get the first person camera when Creed is in the corner and we just get to see his point of view as Victor is pummeling him and the way the bass of the soundtrack thuds and the slow-mo with the face kind of shuddering as the fists hit it and all the blood. When Adonis goes down in this fight, I do wonder if he might suffer brain damage or have an eye that can't get hit again or something really might be messed up on this guy, especially that last hit. Creed falls to his knees, and I didn't know this rule. Victor can't come in for a final screw you punch, but that's what gets him disqualified. That hit when he was on his knees was absolutely brutal. When you say you felt, I felt the rib shot too, Arnie, too, but when he got hit in the face when he was already down, I audibly gasped. I could not believe what I just saw. And in this scene when Adonis is in the hospital is where we were going to have a Rocky Ivan rematch 
to a point. Because if you think about it, Rocky has no point in the scene. He's watching the fight at Adrian's. He runs out. We're like, he's not even going to see if Adonis is okay. That's what I took it as is, well, he's probably dead like his dad. I'm turning off the TV now. (laughs) But he got his ass out to California. And Adonis is just like, what, you hear from me now? I don't want to talk to you. It kicks him out. The scene really has no point because it only reinforces what we've already been told. Adonis and Rocky have had a falling out. I think the falling out is much greater than the circumstances warrant, given that it was just, I won't train you for a fight I don't think you should do. But I guess in the cutting room floor, Rocky was going to come out and Ivan was going to be there and they were going to get in a fight in the hospital and then security guards were going to pull them off each other. It was going to be a little scuffle. It wasn't going to be like a Tommy Gunn-like rematch. <laughs> well, I do think they need to have a moment and you kind of get that at the end fight, like when they get in the ring and they stare at each other. I, enough for this movie. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't fight. Me too. I'm really glad that we didn't see that scene. I think there's no need for it. Especially since we keep complaining about it being not Rocky's movie. That would have totally put the focus back on this is a personal thing for Rocky as much as it is for Creed. And we don't need that. We need the personal part to be just for Creed. My problem with Creed begins here too. I really like Michael B. Jordan as an actor. But I think his character is hitting the same petulant note too often. I get it's amplified because I just watched Creed one, but this guy has a chip on his shoulder from day one. He's constantly full of bravado that he does not necessarily deserve. When he got the beat down and Rocky came to see him, I would have liked to have him have a, a moment of humbling. I would have liked to see him grow as a person as a result of his broken body. Maybe not right at that moment at the hospital. Maybe later. But I would have liked to have seen him realize, maybe I don't need to be an asshole all the time to everyone who doesn't do exactly what I want when I want them to. I don't know that he ever has that growth. Rocky has to come groveling to him because Marianne Creed, Felicia Rashad, sends Rocky a note and Rocky goes, and Adonis is still a jerk to him. I really dislike this portion of the movie. Yeah, it gets really muddled what the motivations are, what the reconciliations are. I do feel like, oh, we need drama and we need angst, but whoever wrote these scenes, whether it's Stallone or the other writer, they just don't quite get there. This is, again, is what we're talking about, missed opportunities. This is the part of the movie where they're coming left and right. Uh, There's a combination, if you will, of missed opportunities because they had a chance here to really help the character grow, and instead he stays stagnant. He gets to where he needs to be, but when he does get ready to fight and Rocky does come around, I don't think that's necessarily earned either. The way he gets out of the funk is he calls himself to his daughter, Daddy's being a bitch, and all of a sudden he's ready to train that's not enough. No. If something else has to click to make him turn around and say, okay, I'm ready to come back, and Rocky's convinced of that. And we don't get that. What I wish I felt was... Creed struggling, saying, maybe I should just retire. I don't want to fight this guy again. I got a daughter. I got a family. He's going to get endorsement deals. He he was the world champion. He's set for money. Again, it's a daring way to go with these Rocky movies, these boxy movies. But I had this poll, like, will they do that? Can they do that? Can they get away and have this be about, you know what? Maybe it's time to put that away and be a family man now. It's not going to go there. I feel I don't understand the change of heart all of a sudden, especially from Bianca. But Creed has to to fight somebody because the boxing association is like, you can't take forever off. You got to fight someone at some point to defend that belt. But 
Creed isn't interested in any fight at all. He just is despondent and they're preparing the crib and Bianca even goes to the stepmother and says, I feel very disconnected from him. Yeah, and you get the moment Creed goes back to Dukes and he's sitting in the car and then he just pulls away like he can't even get out to train. He's not right in the head. And this is all about being right in the head, knowing what you want to fight for. And he's still trying to figure that out. There's a scene when he's in the pool trying to clear his head, right? And his fiance and his and mom are talking. And <laughs> when he's underwater, their voices get cloudy in his head. And when he's above water, they're not. I didn't understand how he heard that conversation, but that's okay. The point was there that he's all muddled in the head and then he screams underwater. And I I really like that scene a lot. I like the scene between the mom and the fiance when they're talking about these sort of things. The human drama that we're asking for, there are slivers of it here and there. Yeah, there's moments. Yeah. Also, the subplot in here that the baby's born and Bianca raised the concern, what if my hearing loss is congenital? What if the baby can't hear? Well, I did look this up. She has progressive hearing loss, more likely than not. Now, there's always the outlier, but more likely than not, a baby from a parent with progressive hearing loss and a hearing-abled parent would not be born completely deaf. They may have congenital progressive hearing loss like their mother, but the concern over the deafness, and then it's a heartbreaking scene. I think Michael B. Jordan's best moment of acting is the face acting when he's looking at that screen, and we're seeing it from the point of view of Tessa Thompson, and she's just seeing him, and he's realizing the machine isn't spiking. We get everything we need to know from that scene off his performance and the voices fade into the background. Both actors, Tessa Thompson and Michael B. Jordan, did wonderful work in that scene. There are some dramatic moments then, and we should acknowledge that when the actors are given something to play, they come to play. So that's wonderful. But I wish that that mattered for something. I wish that this taught Adonis something about himself or something. That's the weird thing is, you know, I have a daughter with type 1 diabetes. That's in her genes. We can never do anything about it. She gets insulin. She's got a pump. She's got all this stuff hooked up to her. It's sad, but life goes on. And it's not like we feel like failures because our daughter had this genetic disability. So it's weird that they, it feels like they're kind of playing it like that. Like, oh no, what if our daughter's deaf? Well, it's not the end of the world. Again, you're the heavyweight champion. You're super rich. You'll be able to get the best hearing aids for your daughter, the best therapist, all that kind of stuff it feels manipulative almost I, I agree with you it's a great acting moment and the way it's shot and everything but it does feel a little bit manipulative because it's like they're not going to toss the baby away if she's deaf like what are the stakes there i completely agree with both of you and i think what they're trying to do here is add a little bit of that drama we're also desperately wanting and it, it rings a little false I saw it coming. It's all over the place. If the baby did not have the hearing loss at all, it would have felt like a cop-out. It would have felt like, oh, here's a concern we brought up earlier, and oh, we're okay, we're good. Let's move on. They had to give the baby this issue for the characters have at least something going on. And even though they did, it still doesn't play well. Yeah, what does Creed learn from his daughter being born without the ability to hear? That should be some kind of motivation to get him in the right space to fight. That's been a theme throughout this movie. You gotta know what you're fighting for. I just wish it paid off better. Allow me to play armchair screenwriter rewriter here. Oh, I did it throughout this movie. Go ahead. <laughs> How can you not? Yeah, go please. The child could be hearing abled and that it provides them some measure of relief when they're suffering blow after blow after blow. I want to know 
with Bianca's career, she was going to go on tour. She has a label. Now she's pregnant. They never mention her career again. She's going to sing later on. But I'm like, what about this woman? She had as big a career as Adonis. Yeah, she was going to festivals. She was going to be at Coachella, probably on one of the smaller stages. But that's no small <laughs> feat. Yeah. And so they just completely tossed that aside. I was really disappointed with that. But imagine if they actually had a scene where she's bemoaning the putting on hold of her career and he lost the fight and she lost her career. But hey, the baby's okay. We can have a moment of happiness and see there is good in the world. You know, something like that could have happened instead of just saying, what if the baby's hearing disabled? And then, well, we mentioned it. So, of course, the baby's hearing disabled. Exactly. The big problem with the conflict here is that it feels like it should be pulling Creed away from the ring. He's the only one pulling himself away from the ring. It should be the temptation or, or the other choices. Uh, temptation makes it sound like being a family man's a bad thing. But he should have that option where, you know what, maybe I will help support my wife. She's got a budding music career and we have a newborn child and I could watch the baby backstage as she goes and perform. Like, even if you don't go in that direction and ditch the boxing, I feel like that should be the dramatic pull to be this family man. And maybe with someone so prideful like Creed, like having to take the back seat and let his wife be the superstar for once. That's a, a could be a parallel. Remember in Rocky Two when Adrian didn't want him to fight and he was trying all these different ways to make money and he couldn't make it have a real life outside of the ring because he wasn't qualified. So what you're saying here is that he could pull himself out and he'd be depressed and he'd be supporting his wife and his kid, but all the while knowing in the back of his head he's kind of being scared to get back in the fight. He's not ready yet. And then his little baby could reach up to him and call him over to, and he'll say, what, what? And the little baby can a squeaky voice could say, win, <laughs> win, win, Adonis, win, win. Oh. But as much as Creed is having family issues and trying to get right in the head, we see that with Victor, too, and Ivan Drago. And I don't know if this is amazing. Like, I'm look, I'm glad Brigitte Nelson shows up yes. in Russia. You know, she divorced Ivan and hasn't seen her son. And like, oh, now that he's winning, I'm going to show up to this fancy dinner. But it's just so paper thin. It's like Ivan, he just wants to get back with Brigitte. That sweet, sweet Brigitte Nielsen, Flavor Flav, Sloppy Seconds. <laughs> I had no idea she was in this film. Neither did I, but I was like, yes, when she showed up. When she showed up, I'm like, well, it doesn't really look like her. Yeah. But based upon the entrance and the way everyone's reacting, I think that's Brigitte Nielsen. She looks more like herself later in the film at the fight. But when she enters at this state dinner, I was like, she's unrecognizable, but I think it's Brigitte. You didn't watch Flavor of Love, did you? She's been looking hard for a while. The interesting thing is, you know, she's the ex-Mrs. Sylvester Stallone, but yes. <laughs> apparently the behind-the-scenes scuttlebutt is the two have let bygones be bygones and got along fine on set. Well, that's good to hear. That's wonderful. Drago was talking about how this is important, his mom is there, blah, blah, blah. But then the son gets up and pouts and it is all about, you know, these people ditched you and all that and why are we here, why do we want their approval? And I'm like, I agree with him. Yes. <laughs> Why are you even bothering with this? I like that they called it out. I really do. And thank goodness. And you're talking about wanting to have the Dragos have a little bit more character. Here's where it starts to have a little bit more meat. It's going to be a while till we get more, but at least we get this part at this part of the movie. Thankfully, they're not just one dimensional. Yeah, it's a little disappointing that Ivan's just motivated because his wife left him. I mean, that's how it kind of plays. But I agree with you. Victor does bring more of that pathos to this and more of that drama and depth to it. So good job, Victor. 
And why does Victor get to say, so Creed says, I'm going to fight you again, Victor. Why does Victor get to go, yeah, but it's got to be in Russia. Like, you're not the champion. You got disqualified. Yeah, I think it's weird for him to say, I'll fight you anytime, anywhere in Russia. (laughs) Yeah, Creed could just box someone else for the title bout. Like, he doesn't have to fight Victor if Victor doesn't want to come back to Vegas. They try to explain it away that because of how things went down, that he it has to be Victor again. But I agree. I would think that he would take another fight to, as a warm-up, or at least I'm um, working my way back. No one would fault him for that, especially after the beating he took the first time around. But for some reason, the movie doesn't explain it fully why he has to be Victor again, except we all know why it has to be Victor again, because <laughs> the, the movie has to keep moving. <laughs> and in story reasons, there is a hit to Creed's pride. Everyone's saying, yeah, he won the fight, but he lost the battle because it was a disqualification. He was going to lose anyway. So again, there's that pride. Everyone said I was beat. I got to prove that I could beat this guy. Because it's a movie and we need to have a three-act structure, they have to have him fighting Drago again. But in real life, I think that, yes, he just needs to defend his title. And they could definitely do what was going on with Rocky and Rocky Three, where he just fights some chumps and defends his title and waits to get his strength back. All right, you know what I like, though, is the scene where Adonis, after he goes, Daddy's being a bitch, goes back and talks with Bianca, and he's like, I'm going to fight him again. Bianca, I swear to God, I was sitting there like, please don't be the next Adrian, don't have every film being, no, Adonis, don't fight. And I'm just in there. She just finally goes, I'm not going to be one of those women who's going to just keep telling you no. I'm like, you know what I was thinking, don't you, screenwriter? You knew I was afraid of that. She's like, you got more to think about, but I'm not going to stand here and be that person saying no. And so he's going to reconcile with Rock and try again. Now we get to the staple of all Rocky films, the montage, the training montage. And here's one of the things I was going through my head as I'm watching this, because Creed and Drago, they've agreed to the fight. And I was telling my wife about Rocky IV, because one of the things I love is that propaganda that we Americans, we're just down home, hardworking farmers, and Rocky's in the snow and helping the peasants with their horses as his training, while Drago, the evil Soviet, just has machines helping him work out in computers because science is bad. I'm like, are they going to do that somehow? And they do. Like, what is this training place they take Creed to? Because he he's the world champion. He has access to, like, the best facilities. But no, they're going to go to the middle of the desert where it looks like prisoners are boxing. I thought Sarah Connor was going to come out and show us where she stashes her <laughs> weapons. Honestly, all right, here's what I thought. They went to the Al-Qaeda boxing camp. Yes. There you go. <laughs> it's like they have the scarfs. They're in the desert. What the hell? <laughs> Meanwhile, Victor... Is that CrossFit? <laughs> yes. I mean, he's doing the thing with the rope. I don't know if you guys have ever done CrossFit. Oh, that's hard. It is hard. I've done the rope thing, yeah. Yeah, and they do the thing with the medicine ball and everything. I mean, Victor is at the CrossFit location. Well, Adonis is being tortured at an Al-Qaeda camp where they string him up and repeatedly punch him in the stomach. He's healing from broken ribs, and they're hitting those ribs. I had to look this up. I'm like, first of all, I thought Rocky wasn't going to train him because Adonis was like, we start training at 5 a.m. He's like, no, that's not what's happening. If you want to be a different fighter, you got to do a different thing. And I thought it was going to be, I'm not going to train you. You got to go train with Little Duke. 
I thought that was going to be a huge twist, right? Adonis must stand on his own. That would be amazing in a Rocky film. It'd be amazing in a Creed film. <laughs> that yes. doesn't have Rocky in the title. Get rid of Rocky. Yeah. Yeah. I actually thought he was going to train him. Remember that the whole thing with the switch? You know, they're, they're going to wait to fight the other way. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought they were going to do, but they didn't do that either. No. And then they go driving out in the desert and he's like, this is where boxers come to be reborn. And I'm like, this is such out of left field bullshit. This must have a basis in reality. I Googled and Googled and Googled. This has no basis in reality. (laughs) This is just the director going, well, we wanted something different than we'd ever seen before. They'd never trained in the desert. And I did like the little training thing where he would put his foot in the tire with the other boxer because Victor Drago has a way. He's taller. He has a longer reach. So I'm like, okay, that would be helpful where you have to learn how to dodge because in Rocky films, they never dodge. They never block punches. They just take hits. So I'm like, okay, that's useful. But this is what you do in movies. You Even he though he's the world champion, he still has to be the underdog. And I just cracked up when we do get to the fight. And they're like, even though he's the world champion, he's a 25 to 1 underdog. I'm like, yes, because Americans love an underdog. And we got to get to that gritty train We don't need no science or computers. We're going to go to the middle of the desert and fight ex-cons, it looks like. We also missed the Frank Stallone song here, though. Wouldn't that have been perfect to have that? (laughs) They tried. I kid you not. No, were they they, going to put a hip-hop beat to it? I like the music here. There was a scene earlier with Sylvester Stallone. I think it's when he's calling to have the light changed. And in the previews they'd shown at, like, Show West and things, there was a Frank Stallone song there. And when all was said and done, they couldn't get the rights. What, Frank doesn't need money? Come on, that dude needs money. Did he have a falling out with his brother? I'm guessing Frank doesn't have the rights to the recording, maybe, or it maybe belongs to the record studio. Uh, who's going to pay the studio and the label, whoever, more money than Frank's brother for a Rocky film? Come on. I think maybe he was going to pay... I'll give you a 10 bucks for Frank's song. (laughs) Which is appropriate. I'm sure Frank needs that $10. You know, at one point, I thought it was really strange because Adonis is shadowboxing against what I wrote in my notes as a bum barrel. You know, the steel barrel with the flames coming out of it that you always see in dystopian futures, the homeless people hanging around. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> it turns out that was a callback to Frank Stallone in Rocky 1, because Frank Stallone was one of those guys harmonizing around the barrel as Rocky was walking home. Yeah. The do-do-do-do. Yep, <laughs> oh, that's guy. right. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's quite a reference. <laughs> I know. The callbacks are really more like Easter eggs than callbacks. Callbacks. I'm not even that hardcore of a Rocky fan to recognize the barrel that Frank Stallone sung at in Rocky <laughs> 1. Apparently, Spider Rico also had a scene, but it is going to be on the deleted scenes of the DVD. And yeah, all of this is so extreme, and it's in certain ways inspiring because, again, seeing Michael B. Jordan with that physique, knowing that he had to work out probably is hard. I wonder if he did that neck exercise. My wife is like, that thing where they're hanging weights off of his neck. Doesn't that damage your neck? Yeah, that looks bad. You don't do that. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm guessing that's what they actually had to do to get his neck that thick, right? Uh, You know, when I do it, I do it with much less weight, so I really don't know. (laughs) (laughs) A baby hanging off your head is not the same thing, (laughs) Hey, these kids are like five now. There's some weight there. (laughs) But when he falls behind the car, 
that is just insane. The heat and everything. I thought Rocky was going to go back, give him some water, make sure he hadn't overheated. I am a sucker for underdog movies. It, typically the kind like Speed Racer or the Step Up movies, like where the world all revolves just around one weird thing, like car racing or dance. <laughs> Do there, are there any of those that don't <laughs> suck that you like? <laughs> How about the Bad News Bears? How about Major League? <laughs> all right but see those just exist in the world i do like a heightened reality typically with an underdog story but i do like an underdog story like stallone his favorite director (laughs) yes so i know i'm being emotionally manipulated but yeah when creed falls on the ground and is just laying there and rocky just sitting in that car looking in the rearview mirror and then he gets up it does something for me like yeah it pumps me up i'm ready for the final fight And then there's this one shot, and it is incredible, where after that, we get to see Adonis running, and he's outrunning the Mustang. And it's reminding me, intentionally, by the way, of that shot of Rocky II, when Rocky just lets it go and sprints, and the camera had to struggle to keep up with him. He was going so fast. Yeah. And I'm like, did Michael B. Jordan really run this fast? Well, I couldn't find out. I don't know... As of this recording, no place I could read said that he did that himself, which makes me think it was sped up. There are CGI artists in the credit, so there's some computer work going on, so yeah. Wait a minute, he could be running fast and the car could be slowing down, so it looks like he's running faster. But those legs were a blur. He was like roadrunnering it. I thought Wiley Coyote with an Acme rocket was going to go past. I mean, yeah, talking about those physical acts, I guess he had to run fast because... I guess in Philly, they've taken down. We see the Rocky statue. It looks like the museum, the art museum is like under construction in this one when Drago checks it out. But yeah, the Rocky statue is just down on the ground now. There's no steps to run up. So you got to run really fast. You got to outrun a Mustang. Oh yeah, actually, since we recorded our Creed podcast, I went to Philadelphia for the first time and got to run up the museum steps and everything. And that statue has a bit of a history there. It was put at the top of the stairs for Rocky Three, but the art museum said that Stallone commissioning a 10-foot statue of himself wasn't actually art, so it in real life lived outside the Philadelphia Spectrum, the arena where the Flyers played there. And then they just brought it back to the museum when they were filming Rocky V to put it at the top of the stairs. It wasn't until Rocky Balboa that the museum took the statue back, but yeah, they never put it at the top of the stairs. It's at a little grassy area at the bottom of the stairs. And yeah, I went and posed with it and did all the cheesy tourist stuff and climbed the stairs and did my little jump at the top. But yeah, seeing Ivan and Victor there reminded me of me and Marjorie when we were sightseeing like, oh yeah, there's the Rocky statue at the bottom of the stairs, just kind of like they did. So it wasn't like this great metaphor for Rocky has fallen from grace and so they put the statue at the bottom it's that the museum never really quite considered it art by this point though i was very much ready for the end fight to get here because just like when you're watching rocky 2 rocky 3 and rocky 4 there's a whole lot of waiting to get to what you know was coming and you just wanted to eventually you're thinking okay enough let's get there and finally we'll get to the last fight what were your expectations for how this fight was going to turn out because i know what i wanted And they did surprise me with the way it goes. I'm like, I hope it's just not Creed's going to get beat up for six rounds and then come back and beat Drago. I wanted it to be all about Rocky and the towel having to be thrown in. I really thought, are they going to do it? Is he going to throw in the towel because he's worried about Creed this time in the fight? It doesn't quite go that way, but I thought it would be a brave decision. 
I thought for sure Adonis was going to win. I mean, this is the formula and this is the disappointing thing that with Creed 2, we have returned to the formula. Yeah. Yeah. But it fooled me in a certain way because like the formula, the boxing match has to start with Adonis getting the crap beaten out of him. And he falls in a bloody mess hard and he doesn't move. And part of me thinks... And there's some meta knowledge going on here, but part of me's thinking they've not announced Creed 3. Ryan Coogler didn't return. I know from reading a GQ article, Michael B. Jordan has huge career aspirations. He wants to be the next Will Smith. He may not want to be tied to this franchise. Are they ending it? Are they killing him? Is this the death of a second Creed at the hand of a second Drago? I didn't think they'd go there. That'd be very brave. But yeah, I thought they might have him just yeah he can't beat drago and rocky was gonna have to toss the towel and he was gonna have to do what he didn't do for creed's father i had none of this i had none of that at all you just thought he was gonna play out like every other rocky movie exactly how it played out yeah except for i didn't want that though (laughs) that's why i had hopes the whole thing played out exactly except for the very end when the fight actually ends but i i cannot believe you i mean i love what you're saying guys it's wonderful but no no i expected the worst but i had hopes i i like can they do it yeah if i was in vegas and not moscow i would put all my money on Adonis gets beat up at the beginning and comes back triumphant. That's where I'd bet. But I kept having these thoughts of, you know, when I watch things like the new Star Trek films or some of these other soft sequel reboots, what they do is what they did before, but pervert expectations and do a twist. And I'm like, my God, that would really pervert my expectations if he lost or if he was killed. I mean, even the beginning of this fight, if you think back to Rocky IV, you know, Drago has this big Soviet entrance and then Rocky just kind of walks out, a polar opposite of how it went with Apollo in the States. Here, I'm like, oh, they're doing that. Here's all the pyrotechnics for Victor. And then a Creed's just going to walk out and no one's going to do anything. But no, he walks out. There's the, well, the baby's not there. I don't know. That baby, I guess, couldn't come to Russia. Who's watching the baby? There's no robot here. <laughs> yeah. The mom is there too. I'm like, I had the same note. Is it they have Russian babysitters? Did they got a Russian au pair? I mean, they're right there. Maybe they did. Where's the baby? And who's the hottie standing next to Felicia Rashad the whole fight? I don't know. I, I wasn't looking at her. <laughs> but no, I like that Bianca comes out singing that song. Great track. Like, again, put out an album. You lay down some good beats. So again, it kind of subverted those expectations because they weren't doing it exactly the same. And I'm like, they can't just do that. But yeah, then as this fight went on, I'm like, oh, they are they really just going to do it the same? We talked about missed opportunities. Another missed opportunity I saw in the fight was when Adonis was on the mat and he looks over to Bianca and she says, get up, get up. Wouldn't it have been great because they referenced this early in the movie when she signed, did you take a shit yet? If you sign language to him, get up. Yes! Now we thought that would have been the great way to like inspire him to get on his feet and go on. I thought that was a given. But they missed that opportunity as well. But Brigitte shows back up. Like she, she shows up like halfway through the fight once her son starts winning. No, she shows up at the beginning. She leaves when he starts losing. I think that's why he loses is he wasn't doing so well. But once she leaves, he's like, I have no reason to live. This is all I was. And he just gives up. Yeah, he wasn't even returning punches. He was just getting beat up. Which is interesting because he didn't care about his mom. I I felt like he was kind of like, Dad, why do you want to get back with this woman? She ditched us. He's the one that gave that speech. But yeah, here's the little surprise. Ivan's going to have to get over his love for Brigitte Nielsen. And he's going to throw in the towel. 
You know what I would have liked, though? <laughs> Honestly, I was thinking this, is if Victor went to Ivan, because Ivan's been schmoozing and enjoying the spotlight. I mean, he's been quite the hanger-on and entourage here. If he went to his father and, like, I don't fight for you to get back with mom. I don't fight for your fame. I fight for me! <laughs> I kind of liked the scene when he threw the towel in. No, I liked it. It's weird because all of a sudden Ivan's a good guy. Like he's better than Rocky was towards Apollo. I'm glad they didn't linger on Rocky's face like, man, he did it. I didn't do that. They let Ivan have his moment. And I thought that was a wonderful way to uh, to end the movie. And and I kind of, here's that character development we've been waiting all movie for. Yes, I've waited two hours for this moment. It's a good moment. I just wish it wasn't two hour wait. Uh, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was appropriate for the movie we just watched also, surprisingly. But then- we're talking about how it's not supposed to be about Rocky at the end of the movie. It's not about Adonis in the ring. It's, it's Rocky sitting in a chair fixing his hat and it is back to the camera and he says it's all about you, kid. It's like an official passing of the torch, but then they pass the torch and then they keep lingering on Rocky. It's not that they pass the torch. They go, you have created your legacy, Adonis. Your legacy is set in stone now. You're an official championship. I'm like, huh? His legacy set in stone? No, I feel like he's still in the shadow of his dad. He's still in the shadow of Rocky. He has not been given a film to show us who Creed is. Actually, what they said is his legacy has begun. I'm like, I think his legacy is cemented. It's At this point, it's not like this is the start. He has become the heavyweight champion. He has defended that title. He has taken down this much larger boxer. I think he is now a person in his own right. And they're like, his own story has begun. Okay. I'm glad it took two Creed movies to start his story. So we'll get finally get Creed Creed and Creed 3. <laughs> Creed Creed. Creed Creed Creed. <laughs> Creed. Just put three E's in there. <laughs> So the movie technically ends here, but we get a coda of sorts with both Rocky and Adonis facing their pasts in their own unique ways. We mentioned that Rocky goes to Vancouver to visit his son with Milo Ventimiglia returning to the role that he was in Rocky Balboa with. Were you guys dying for that after Rocky Balboa? Like, he's got to get back with his son and reconcile. Like, that is not something I ever worried about. I didn't care about that storyline. You want to know when it became an issue for me is when Bianca, who I've always liked, has this one cruel moment of, well, you're not Rocky's family. You don't have to take care of him. Let's just leave Rocky to die alone here and go live our life in L.A. As somebody who is a caretaker for someone who is a very close family friend, but not a blood relative, that's a shitty thing. And I'm like, all right, Rocky needs somebody in case the cancer comes back. He better get back with that son. And that's the theme of this movie. I mean, it's not subtle. Fathers and sons. <laughs> yeah, right. And the best embodiment of this, in my mind, is the Dragos, where we see a father with high expectations for a son. The son fails at those expectations, and the father is like... I love you anyway. Well, that's why I said I was shocked. I'm like, all of a sudden, the Dragos are the good guys by the end of this film. I wasn't expecting that. They have the best father-son relationship. I loved that they were jogging next to each other in the, in the last scene. It, instead of him being in a car and chastising his son, they were side by side doing this together. Yes, heavy-handed, but at the same time, it's exactly what I wanted in that moment. So I really like that coda for them. And I really like the coda with Adonis at Apollo's gravesite. I like that he talked to him first and then 
brought his family over. I really liked everything about these three closing scenes. I thought they were well done. They did help out with the themes of the movie. But I guess at this point, the last 10 minutes of the movie, I thought he was going to call. Rocky was going to call his son, not go to Vancouver. I didn't know Milo Ventimiglia was going to be there. That kind of surprised me. So the whole coda of the movie, all three of these parts, were the first time in this whole movie where I was surprised at all. And I liked it. I was waiting for being surprised at some level, and it took to the last five minutes of the movie for me to get a surprise. Well done. Yeah, and again, much like Brigitte Nielsen, I did not recognize Milo. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jacob, Arnie, do you recommend Creed 2? Jacob. I think we've all said it here. This is a mixed bag. There's a lot of good starts, and then the payoffs aren't that great, or just... It's an unbalanced film. You got to train, go back out to the desert, train a little bit more, erase some more of those Stallone lines and rewrite them. This could have been a really strong film and not in the camp way that I love Rocky IV. It's weird that the sequel to Rocky IV could have been this really strong, dramatic film for something that was so cartoonish. It just doesn't quite get there, though, unfortunately. I I like this film. It went by pretty quickly. I got into some of the emotional moments, but there's a lot of missed opportunities where you could... And again, it's just little things, just fine-tuning here and there that could have really made some dramatic moments just more powerful, pay off bigger, and they could have done some daring things here. Maybe, again, tempt Creed from getting out of boxing. Have Rocky throw in that towel. Who knows? I don't know what you do with the Rocky formula because it's just such a standard formula and it happens every time and I feel like that's the downfall of this movie. It's like, well, it's a Rocky film. We're calling it Creed 2, but it's a Rocky film and we gotta go by that formula. So that's unfortunate. I felt like it could have been a great film. It ended up being a good film. Like, if you're a fan of the Rocky franchise, you're gonna enjoy this one. If you enjoyed Creed, I think you're still gonna enjoy this one. Recommend. Arnie. It's a letdown coming off of Creed, but... The result is a film that's right on par with the majority of the early Rocky films. It's a completely solid boxing drama film. It's just not exceptional. I'd say it's very equivalent to Rocky Three, which is the movie it apes the most badly. It's a recommend for sure. I enjoyed seeing these actors back in these roles. I enjoy seeing where Stallone is taking Rocky as this character entering a new stage of life. Honestly, the end stages of life, elderly, you know, old person and seeing Adonis come into his own. I thought Felicia Rashad was used wonderfully here. She was a delight in the last movie, but completely underused and did wonderful here. I think everyone does what they can with what they're given. I think I really want Coogler to be back behind the typewriter for the next one and not Stallone, but it's a recommend. I think we all saw the same movie here. I had the same frustrations you guys have. The missed opportunities were left and right. This movie was completely predictable. I wrote down in the first 10 minutes what I thought was going to happen, and I was absolutely right. I've seen a lot of Rocky movies. You've seen them all. Yeah. <laughs> Rock, because you've <laughs> been on my series. And you can hear me talk about all of them and are now playing podcast archives. Uh, but the point is that, yeah, obviously I've seen this movie before. These movies aren't supposed to be surprising. It's supposed to be, do we like how they get to that end, right? And with all the missed opportunities, there are still some wonderful moments, as we talked about. The performances are there for the most part. 
I can't believe we're going to give this three for three, but we are. This movie is not Creed. It is not as good as Creed. It is not as rewatchable as Creed. But Arnie said the words perfectly, so I'm going to reiterate it. It's still a solid movie. I still was with it for the most part. I was rolling my eyes about how predictable it was. But at the same time, I got what I came for, right? With some exceptions. I really wanted this to be a better film. We all want this to be a better film. But it's not a bad movie. We've seen so much worse here at Now Playing. And I could see myself watching this again. Perhaps if Creed 3 is made and comes out and it's a much better film, this would be the middle ground of like a little valley to get to the good stuff. But I honestly don't know where else they're going to go. If they bring Clubber Lang back next time. Are they talking about that? Yeah. I was making that up. Are they actually doing that? Well, they talked about bringing him back for this one, apparently. And what Stallone and Capel have said is now that we've seen Drago and seen him as a real person and what happened to him, wouldn't it be interesting to see? No, Lang no, and no. Where no would, are we going to get the son of Thunderlips too and give him a real story? <laughs> Do something new. This is the Star Wars problem. We're just going to blow up giant balls in space. That's what they said is... Wouldn't it be great to have Mr. T back? And apparently it was in the script or at least the story ideas for this one at some point. Well, I'm glad they didn't go there. I love Mr. T. I'm still a big fan of Mr. T. He was a big part of my childhood. And I love Clubber Lang. You all know the love I have for Rocky III. It's much like Jacob's love for Rocky IV. But I don't want to see anything to do with Clubber Lang, especially since we got this story here. We don't need to have it rehashed again for number three. I was being facetious, Arnie, about Clubber Lang. Too bad. Well, you know what, though? We keep talking about this. Now they have an opportunity to tell a new original story for Creed, for Adonis Creed. And wouldn't that just be great? I think it would be. Do you think Stallone should return? No, I think he. this is Creed, and I want to see Creed be the star of Creed. I do feel like Stallone's here because it's going to get butts in the seat in the theaters. But look, Michael B. Jordan is great. Loved him in Black Panther. Best part of Black Panther. I want him to be able to prove that Creed, these films, aren't successful just because Stallone's involved. But it does seem like this could be his last hurrah. He didn't want to kill Rocky in this movie, but he posted on Instagram just the other day that his story is told and Rocky will live on, but not with him. And it's up to Jordan to carry the mantle. It's a little odd coming out just after the weekend that it debuted and and was pretty successful. Number two in the box office. But look, I don't mind. There's something to be said about knowing to go out on a high note. Well, he shouldn't have shut up for Creed 2 then. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, it's still, like you said, it opened number two, the highest grossing live action film. It closed his story. He reunited with his son. I don't know what they'll do with Creed without a strong supporting cast, because I do think Jordan's been buoyed by that. But yeah, it sounds like if Rocky comes back at all, it might just be as a cameo and they'll have to, what, I guess Little Duke steps up, becomes Big Duke? (laughs) No one wants Duke. (laughs) I just think, I don't know that Creed will ever outgrow that shadow. I would love it to see Creed stand on his own, but you know what the series is missing is, honestly, an Apollo. When Mickey died, Apollo was there to get Rocky fighting again. Without Rocky, Adonis has nobody. Yeah, you get to write a new story with new characters, and that is risky, but I would like to see, even in this age of reboots and sequels and all that, I gotta believe there's still room to tell something a little bit original. But 
I'm curious. I know MGM is drooling for a third part. Like I said, while this movie was not number one for the weekend. It made its budget back in a weekend. Wreck-It Ralph knocked this one down to number two, but it is the, not adjusting for inflation, the highest grossing live action film ever released over a Thanksgiving weekend. It has a shot of being the top grossing Rocky film domestically. Again, not adjusting for inflation. The number one film is Rocky Four. We may laugh about going back to Drago. I don't. But it is the top grossing film at 127 million. So if Creed Two has average staying power, it will become the top grossing film in the Rocky franchise domestically. It is also the... I believe first Rocky film that will be shown in China. Thanks to Black Panther, the Chinese now all of a sudden really love Michael B. Jordan. They couldn't get Creed 1 into China. Creed 2 will have that Chinese money coming in. They want a sequel, but Michael B. Jordan and Ryan Coogler are in demand. And we know Sylvester Stallone has one or two more movies coming out. A new Rambo and possibly a new film that was based on a Rambo script but isn't called Rambo. (laughs) Does he have another escape plan movie? I, I was shocked that got a sequel with him in it. <laughs> and they're making a third one. Oh, shit. Escape Plan 3, Devil Station. I spoke too soon. <laughs> with Jamie King and Dave Bautista's coming back and Fiddy Scent. Well, you can join us for our Escape Plan retrospective. We're announcing it right now on Now Playing, right on? That's coming up next year. <laughs> Is it going to be you by yourself? My escape plan is getting out of here for that. But speaking of that, Arnie, we're at the end of the year. What's coming up next for now playing? Yes. Nice segue, bro. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Just moving this along. Moving right along. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we have our schedule fleshed out through the rest of the year. And I mean, we've got most of the rest of the year is going to be on Totally Free Tuesdays, theatrical films. I mean, we've got. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 3D, Aquaman, and Bumblebee for three weeks in December. Unfortunately, there's one week lag, so next week we're reviewing another video game movie, Max Payne. But that's like one of my favorite video games of all time, so I'm strangely excited for that review. You haven't seen that one yet with Mark Wahlberg? I've seen it twice now. It's Oh, okay. I'll just say this. Mark Wahlberg and Mila Kunis were a better duo in Ted, but we'll see how they were in Max Payne. <laughs> Understood. I'm looking forward to that Spider-Verse movie. Every new preview I see for that makes me more and more excited about it. And Aquaman has the return of Dolph Lundgren. Do you realize Dolph Lundgren didn't have a theatrical film between, like, Universal Soldier and The Expendables, and now he has Creed Two and Aquaman, two huge films in, like, the span of a month? I didn't know that, necessarily, but I now understand now we, when he goes back to Sweden, he has these wonderful dinners. People accept him once again. <laughs> Brigitte Nielsen showing up to dine with him. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but... Next year, what do we have coming up? We've heard some complaints that the arcade's a little bit dingy, the arcade's a little bit dark. So (laughs) much like regular malls, we're going to be taking some trips out of the arcade. We have inserted a couple extra retrospective series next year. Yes, we are starting the year in the arcade with Hitman, 
Hitman 2 is one of the biggest games this holiday season, so we'll see if either of those movies can live up to the games. Come on, let's get to the one they really want to hear. Detective Pikachu. We <laughs> do have in the spring... You gotta catch them all. A six-part Pokemon retrospective. It's six parts now? You, you keep adding cartoons to that. You're gonna make Stuart watch six Pokemon cartoon movies? Technically, Stuart's making me, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Wow. I actually backed it down from eight because two were only Fathom events, but five Pikachu movies were released theatrically in the States. Wow. Well, that's monumental. That's fantastic. My son's gonna love that. <laughs> Maybe I will love these because between Pokemon the first movie, Pokemon 2000, Pokemon 3, Pokemon Forever, Pokemon Heroes, and Detective Pikachu, I mean, gotta be something in there. You, you know what, Arnie, though? To get the full experience, you have to start playing Pokemon Go. I, I love that game. I play it all the time. I, I play it daily. I love Pokemon Go. <laughs> now, Pokemon Go tips. That's That's your next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but in between all of the Pikachuing, we're going to have some new stuff. And it's almost entirely theatrical. They are doing a Jacob's Ladder remake next year. So we will be doing the Jacob's Ladder retrospective series starting in January. And that's one other film, isn't it? It's just the one with Tim Robbins, right? Yes, it's a two-parter. And then the unexpected horror hit Happy Death Day has a sequel coming out next year. Happy Death Day to you. So we will be doing that two-part retrospective series. And then in between Pokemon films, we have Captain Marvel, Shazam, Hellboy, Avengers 4, John Wick 3, X-Men Dark Phoenix. But I think the two things people will really be excited about are, first of all, coming next spring, we're going to do a Toy Story retrospective series leading up to Toy Story 4. Fantastic. That's terrific. I'm actually a big fan about that. Yeah, people have been asking for us to do the Toy Story films for a long time, and with Toy Story 4 coming out, how could we not look at Pixar's best film? And I'm the newbie, I've only seen the first one. Oh, man, you're in for a treat. Yeah, that, that's a series I think got better with every installment. That's what I hear. Oh, man. And then, on the complete other end of the spectrum, as far away from Toy Story as we can get, coming this April is the reboot slash remake of Pet Cemetery, the Stephen King book. We've reviewed the first two Pet Cemetery films already as part of our Stephen King retrospective, and Pet Cemetery kicks off the resumption of the Stephen King retrospective series. Next year, we've got Pet Cemetery, The Mist, Mercy, and it all coming next spring and summer leading up to it chapter two and yes i will also be returning to books and nachos with those reviews so a lot of great stuff coming to now playing next year in between pokemon episodes we hope you'll <laughs> stick with us and thank you to all the listeners and thank you to all the donors who've made it possible we are actually on the countdown to our thousandth episode yeah, I was just looking at all the shows, putting together a list, over, I think, 800 reviews as of this recording. Yes, this, counting all the reviews, this is our 838th movie review. So, 
it's looking like less than a thousand days till we hit a thousand reviews. So that's how I consider it a countdown. And it's only possible because of great listeners and amazing donors who make this show possible. Stuart keeps tweaking the schedule as it goes, so we're always afraid to announce too far in advance, but it looks like there's some great things coming next year, and thanks for sticking with us for all this time. Yeah, and we got our archive. You want to hear any of those 830-some shows? Nightmare on Elm Street, Back to the Future, Terminator, the other Rocky movies, or the Rambo movies, all there in the archives at NowPlayingPodcast.com. And don't forget about Podbean, too. We got those exclusive Podbean reviews from all of us here at Now Playing. So thanks again, listeners, for being supportive of our show on the weekly basis, on the Podbean donations. Every way you're being supportive of our show, we're appreciative as we continue on to show 1,000. Along that way, next month, patrons will be getting a review of Nightmare Before Christmas. That is our December patron-exclusive review. Another Disney film. Yeah, a little bit of a different Disney film, but certainly is a Disney film, a little with Tim Burton's uh, unique touch all over that. Although, trivia, he did not direct that. Everyone thinks he did. I know, I thought he did. Yeah, people do, but he didn't. And finally, while speaking about Podbean, if you're a gold-level donor this Friday... Come settle with us in M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. That'll be out before Max Payne next week. Which one hurts worse? Well, I was very happy to be back here with you two talking Creed. I'm assuming we'll be back in a couple of years with Creed 3. Ideally, we'll be able to talk before then. We'll get back in the ring then, and we'll talk to you soon. I can't believe this is happening. Okay. And I just want to say thanks to Apollo for fighting me, Apollo. I want to thank, thank Mickey for training me. Most of all, I want to thank God. This is the greatest night in the history of my life. I just want to say one thing to my wife from home. Yo, Adrian! I did it! Thank you for listening to this episode of the now playing Rocky Retrospective Series. Why this fighter of limited ability has gained such popularity is such a mystery. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we get in the ring and review another film. When I leave you, you'll not only know how to fight, you'll be able to take care of yourself outside the ring. Mickey loves you. And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other films such as Rambo, The Avengers Films, The Karate Kid, Terminator, X-Men, and many more. It makes a man a better man. We wish to educate your company. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss these films with other listeners. Don't listen to it, Rocky. No, do listen to it, Rocky. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter where we post announcements of new episodes and where the host posts movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are at NowPlayingPodcast.com. Very American. It's very smart. Hey, and remember, after this, you owe me a fake what favor? Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Mr. Gazzo says I should get to 200 to break your thumb. You understand? Please. Huh? Please. Give me some money. Give me some money. 
You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcasts by shopping in our store, where you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more. The link to our Cafe Press store is available on our homepage. What are you going to do with the money? Well, the first thing I got to do is I got to pay the rent, you know. Now Playing's Rocky Retrospective Series is edited by Heath and Arnie. Don't worry. (laughs) I'll clean it up for you, bully. Now Playing is not affiliated with MGM or United Artists, and no infringement is intended. Seems like lately everybody wants to beat me up. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Enganza Media Incorporated. I pity the fool, and I will destroy any man who tries to take what I got. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2018, all rights reserved. So, The parallel I would draw is when we did our Mutant Ninja Turtles retrospective series. Uh, I can't wait to see where this is going. (laughs) (laughs) You did me. My wife didn't go with me because she's like, I don't want to just see people punching each other. And so that's not what the Creed films are. (laughs) That's Rocky Four. There's three fights in this film. So kind of. You did me. (laughs) <laughs> Isn't Dolph Lundgren Swedish? Yeah, he is indeed. Yeah. Yes, he is. Yeah. Okay, I was going off memory a, a on that. Physicist, I believe. Yes, an MIT student. Until Grace Jones deflowered him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you did me. He mentions it was the only thing left to him by Adonis, which I find Apollo. very weird. Or uh, by Apollo. Left to him <laughs> by Apollo. You did me. I have problems with some of the way Apollo Apollo's have, dead. I, yeah, his, and he was written terribly for a course. <laughs> you did me. Yeah, I liked her music in this movie, too, and I agree with you both. I think she kind of got the shaft in this one completely. By the way, she was also... That's how she movie. ended up pregnant, am I right? Bada boom, bada bing, huh? Yeah, that's where we are. Um, you did me. Wait a minute. We couldn't. Couldn't the? He could be running fast, and the car could be slowing down. I mean, uh, so it but looks those like he's legs were a blur. He was like road runnering it. I thought Wiley Coyote with an Acme rocket was going to go past because they're in the desert. You see, get it? No, I got it. I got what you were saying. I, I, I you know, I, I was just surprised that we got a, a Looney Tunes reference. But Warner Brothers does distribute this movie over internationally. We so also got a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reference, so you never know. <laughs> and, and a speed racer to step up, so yeah. we really don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> we should just rename now playing to Random Reference Movie Podcast. We should have done that years ago. Yeah, I want some listener to go through all the back episodes and just like list every movie you reference. I want to know how many times Real Genius has been brought up, Soul Man, Step Up, all of it. Yeah, and I brought up the Snorks in like season two, Arnie, so come on. I mean, <laughs> we, no, all, no holds barred here. Um, But... <laughs> You did me. And Russell Wong, he's a good guy. I like him. Oh, wait, that's not who I was thinking of. I was thinking of Benedict. Russell Wong, go f*** himself. Well, you all can, <laughs> you can all. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. You did me.